the Road to Health Podcast. Backroads. Hi there, I'm Mark Sheldon, and this is the Road to Health Backroads. We're revisiting an episode from summer of 2022 today, where we met with Blue Cross Medical Director and Rhode Island surf enthusiast, Dr. Victor Pincus. He talked to us about the best way to keep safe on Rhode Island's beaches. Let's listen. Yeah, it's beautiful out. Um, and the, the advantages of being outside and being in the fresh air are just, you know, can't calculate them all. For Dr. Victor Pincus, Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Rhode Island medical director and resident surf enthusiast, summertime is the perfect time to wax down the board. Pop in the fins. And hang 10, Rhode Island style. Um, But for the most part, uh, you know, people think about Hawaii, Florida, North Carolina, So Rhode Island's a fairly well-kept secret, but people surf here all year round. Dr. Pincus is a friend of this podcast, last with us on our Road to Mental Health episode. He's served as an ER physician for many years, and he loves the beach, the surf, and the ocean. After all, this is the ocean state, and with eight state-run beaches and a staggering 400 miles of coastline, Dr. Pincus wants to be sure we all know how to enjoy them safely. All right, so Dr. Pincus, welcome back to the podcast. Yeah, thank you for having me, Mark. So as an avid surfer, I know you must love the beach, but as a physician with a history in emergency services, you've no doubt seen it all when it comes to beach-related calamities. What situations are most likely to land you in the ER from the beach? So there's a wide range, right? Anything from, you know, a real disastrous outing to to the mild and minor. The um, most common are sunburns, skin cuts, jellyfish stings, sand flea bites, and like musculoskeletal injuries from running, jumping into waves, or running and playing ball on the beach. And those injuries are usually shoulders and, believe it or not, collarbone fractures. Let's start with the largest organ on the human body. What can we do to protect our skin? The number one thing you can do is avoid direct sun during the highest UV index time of the day. And that's usually between 12 and 2 o'clock. And some apps on your phone, or if you don't have access to your phone, you can look at the newspaper or watch the weather report, it will give you what the in, the UV index of the day will be. The next thing you can do is wear some protective clothing. Usually some protective clothing it comes in around an SPF of 50, which is you know really good for protecting you from the, the, the harmful UVB rays. If you can't wear some protective clothing, then uh, sunscreen. And my recommendation for sunscreen is SPF 30. Now, there's a couple of different recommendations out there. Some people will say, or some organizations will say SPF 15, but the American Dermatology Society says SPF 30. And the reason is SPF 15 blocks approximately 93% of harmful UVB rays, while SPF 30 blocks about 97% of harmful UVB rays. So that's a significant difference. If you go up to an SPF 50, 
of sunscreen, that blocks about 98% of the rays. So it's not a huge difference between 30 and 50, but there is a significant difference between 15 and 30. So just not to be confusing, SPF 30. So in a follow-up to that, does it matter if you're using a, a spray sunscreen or a bottle of sunscreen or... No, that doesn't that doesn't necessarily matter, lotion or spray. But what really matters is if you go swimming or if you've been sweating heavily playing outside, you should reapply fairly quickly. If you don't aren't doing anything, just being outside for two hours, you should reapply. So minimum of every two hours you need to reapply sunscreen. So of course, with the summer sun comes summer temperatures. What should we be doing to protect ourselves from heat exposure? So this one's kind of tough for me. When I was training in Cook County in Chicago in 1995, there was a, a heat catastrophe. And believe it or not, the heat is far more dangerous than the cold. In that three-day period, there were 800, approximately 800 deaths. And it was, it was mostly people who were shut in, locked in, no access to air conditioning, and I worked all those those three days, and and it was it was kind of terrifying seeing people come in with uh, temperatures of one twelve, one ten, and we manned the EMS radio for Chicago at our emergency department where we trained, and every other call was a, uh, a like a resuscitation due to heat illness, and it affects the vulnerable people. Right, like so, elderly children, people with alcohol use disorder, people with substance use disorder, they're affected. They were affected beyond anybody else. So it's a great question, right? So number one, stay out of the direct sun. Seek shade or air-conditioned areas such as libraries, malls. Whenever possible, you could schedule outdoor events like public gatherings and sporting events early in the morning when it's cooler and the air quality is better. Air quality is important because people who have respiratory disorders tend to do worse in humid, high-index, high-heat-index days. Drink plenty of fluids. Definitely avoid alcohol. And caffeine is – it's tough to avoid, right? We all love our caffeine. But in those very, very hot days, try to maybe diminish the amount of caffeine intake. Wear light-colored, lightweight clothing – breathable as can be. Use hats with brims and sunscreen for more protection. And again, just to reemphasize, elderly, small children, people with chronic health conditions are more vulnerable to the heat. So if you have any of those in your family or friend's circle, check on your, on your circle. Check on your family, your friends, your neighbors. Make sure that they're doing okay. Anyone showing signs of severe heat illness, also called heat stroke, uh, like confusion, not sweating, nausea, vomiting, should seek immediate medical attention. Try to limit the amount of work you do out in the middle of the day. And just to reemphasize the being in a cool area, so if, if libraries or malls are not accessible, check with your local government and your state government for a list of cooling centers. And usually on high heat index days, which is a combination of the heat and the humidity, they'll open several cooling centers. And, uh, you know, there were a couple of days in the past few years where they allowed Ripta to ride for free so people could ride the buses in air-conditioned environment free. And we have a heat, a little bit of a heat, possibly a heat wave coming up in the near future. So this is a good time to talk about this. Maybe go uh, 
Go see a summer blockbuster there. It's always air conditioning in the movie. Yeah, that's theaters. great, great idea, movies. So let's move on to a topic that I'm sure is near and dear to your heart, water sports. What should folks consider as preparation for safely enjoying the surf? So know your limitations is the first thing I, I would I would say. Be self-aware, right? And be be first be self-aware of your abilities, and the second is to be aware of your surroundings. I will mention that the Red Cross website and Red Cross in general has excellent recommendations for water safety. So know your beach closures. Never swim alone. Even experienced or strong swimmers might need help. Do not leave young children or non-swimmers unattended ever. Encourage children or other non-swimmers to use life jackets or other approved flotation devices. And number one, and this one drives me crazy, sign up for swimming lessons, right? You're, you're never too old to learn how to swim. And, you know, this is actually, if you want to talk about equity, there is a huge inequity in people who know how to swim and, and don't know how to swim. So there are people who are affected by this in urban and, you know, vulnerable areas. So it's important to, to get out there and learn how to swim or just learn water safety. Keep away from pool drains, pipes, or other openings to avoid in, entrapments. Always keep a phone nearby, and if there's a rainy day this summer, learn CPR. It's a life-saving skill, definitely, literally, and figuratively, it's a life-saving skill. So learn your CPR. It, it takes a couple of hours, and then you could save a life as well. Pools obviously have to follow local ordinances and have fences around them with self-locking gates. And of course, avoid drinking alcohol before or during swimming and while supervising children. And back to like just a little bit about boating. So make sure you follow the, the Coast Guard recommendations for life jackets on children, which I th is about, I think it's everybody under 12 and under have to, has to wear uh, a life jacket. And that doesn't mean just mean on the vessel itself. It means on the dock, anywhere around the water. Uh, you should always have your kids in a life jacket. So there are significant hazards when it comes to water safety and the ocean. So being water competent in the ocean requires stronger and different skills than in a pool, right? You have to be aware of changing tides, fast-moving currents, waves, even in shallow water. Uh, Drop-offs that unexpectedly change water depth, unexpected changes in air and water temperature. Hazards uh, such as underwater obstacles as rocks and debris and vegetation and sunken vessels. There's also marine animals and fish. Be aware of that if you're out on the Cape. They have a significant signage when it comes to that. There are shark tracking apps that you can track your local activity with. Thunder and lightning. Lightning is really dangerous in the ocean. I'm not going to tell you all the scary stories I know about that, but it's, it's significant. It's a significant risk. And if that's occurring, you have to leave the water immediately. And if you're on a boat, you head out, you head back to shore as soon as you can. And if you can't get there, you lie down on the uh, bottom of the boat or in a cabin in shelter. Always use your resources around you. So talk, like if you're at a beach you've never been to before, talk to the lifeguard. If there's not a lifeguard there, you shouldn't be there, right? Unless, unless you're familiar with it, unless you have substantial skill. So use, use the lifeguards, even for things like jellyfish stings and and uh, cuts they always prepare they have like first aid kits they know the local territory they know the local rip currents 
Uh, and the, the, this has all been really great information, uh, Dr. Pincus. Do you have any parting thoughts for our beachgoing audience? Yeah, so there's two. One is drinking alcohol, right? So it's, you know, there's an association with going to the beach and drinking alcohol or summer and drinking alcohol. But alcohol in the summer heat can cause a number of health problems, such as low blood sugar, irregular rhythms of the heart, dehydration. Dehydration also also can increase the risk of having a stroke for people with high blood pressure and people with a history of stroke. Alcohol poisoning can occur when a toxic amount of alcohol is consumed in a very short period of time. And that person may become extremely disoriented, unresponsive, or even un conscious with shallow breathing. And alcohol poisoning can be deadly. So just be smart, have fun, but be safe and be smart. And the last thing I want to talk about is something we don't, you don't often hear about and you don't talk about, but every year in in a beach somewhere in, in the United States or abroad, there's a catastrophe from something that's as simple as like having fun in the sand. And that's digging deep holes or beach tunnels, right? Really dangerous. Lifeguards always advise that these holes, even fairly shallow ones, can collapse and kill a person in seconds. And, it, and it's an, it's un, you're unable to get to them. There's no way to dig somebody out of a collapsed sand hole. And um, you're literally digging a, you know, a death trap. And so, you know, it's happened here in Rhode Island. It happened in Block Island a few years back with some visitors from out of state. It, it happened at least once or twice a summer, and it's easily avoidable. And I know it sounds like fun, but even digging, you know, a a fairly shallow hole is really, really dangerous. So stick to sandcastles. It's great advice. So, you know, I'm I'm sure you know better than most people that there's a lot of health benefits to being at the beach too. Sure. There's nothing better for me than to be in the water surfing First, I'll say being outside increases, you know, healthy living choices. It's safe in the pandemic age, being outside, being on the beach, being walking trails. And being in the ocean correctly provides an unbelievable challenge. It can allow you to be with friends. It allows you to overcome fears. You can challenge yourself. And, you know, there's a certain spirituality about being near the ocean if you're not afraid or if you are if you do it safely like anything else. I highly advise going outside, being at the beach. Just be aware of, like, the risks. If I had to say, reward far outweighs the risk, as long as you're just aware right? Like, just be aware of what's going on. The Road to Health is a podcast from Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Rhode Island. It's hosted and produced by me, Mark Sheldon, and Mason M is our sound engineer, with additional support from Yasmin Diaz. I'd like to thank our Back Roads guest, Dr. Victor Pincus. Be healthy, be well, and keep your eyes on the road.